This is SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network, leading the way. This episode is brought to you by the Amazon Store. Click on the link on our website before you shop at Amazon, and your purchase will help support our show. This episode is also made possible by the friends of SQPN. Join us in our mission to reach out to the ends of the world with engaging and inspiring programs by supporting us with a monthly donation. Go to sqpn.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen. What's there, Mama? 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. How do you do? How do you do what? Show me the smile. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Very nice. You can sit by me. Everything's so wonderful. <laughs> Come on, get up. Come on, get up. Where are we going? Up to Neverland. You must kiss me. Excuse me? Please, princess. One kiss. Unless you beg for more. Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Secrets of Disney. I'm Father Roderick, one of the hosts of this show, and with me today, Deborah. How are you today? I am doing all right, other than my voice is about to go again, but I'm doing all right. <laughs> now, how is that possible? Because you live in Florida, where the weather is always good. I mean, I should have a cold. <laughs> Do you know, okay, and this will probably date the show, but you know, it is... It's been in the 20s um, at oh, night here, so really? it's really cold. <laughs> oh, wow. No wonder that you're uh, <laughs> influenced by that bad weather. Well, we, I had a blast doing the first episode together with you uh, on uh, Snow White, but for today's episode, we bring in a third co-host for this show, and uh, he is someone that has watched all, all the Disney movies, and we hope that he will bring in a lot of his... Uh, Encyclopedal, encyclopedal how do you pronounce that the encyclopedal encyclopedia you are on your own <laughs> encyclopedic there you go that's why we have you on the show mike kuipers because of his encyclo no what was it encyclopedic <laughs> there you said it <laughs> for the listeners introduce yourself briefly mike who are you i'm mike kuipers and i'm from michigan and I'm just a longtime Disney fan. I'm not an expert. So, you know, if you're all the Disney experts who are listening, you know, don't judge me harshly because uh, I really am not an expert. I'm just a fan. Well, and uh, I'm with you on that. The only real expert here is is Deborah. <laughs> she <laughs> and, knows and, um, Disney. Please, you know, direct your hate mail towards Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for today we have chosen the movie Enchanted, the movie that brings together the entire legacy, I think, of uh, of the Disney movies. It's it's an homage to that very rich tapestry of of animated movies that Disney has made throughout the years and including Snow White so there are a lot of references uh, from uh, Snow White that are brought into the story of Enchanted and we'll talk about that uh, later on in this show but first let us play the sound of the original trailer of all the classic Disney stories of all the miraculous adventures All the magical tales. There 
has never been anything like enchanted. <laughs> Thank you. Because no other story has ever taken you <gasps> to a land as strange and terrifying as ours. Grumpy. Nobody's been very nice to me. Yeah, well, welcome to New York. Thank you. This is how I will rescue you! Now. Who's gonna rescue me? I seek a beautiful girl. I, I, I'd like to find one of them too, you know? Their world and our world. I think she may be a real princess. Are about to collide. All right, everyone. Let's tidy things up. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And nothing will ever be the same. <laughs> this Thanksgiving. How does she know? Don't sing. It's okay. You know, let's just walk. One ordinary man will have to get them back home before time runs out. Magic Mirror, I beg you. Tell me where she is. Reporting from 116th and Broadway. 116th and Broadway. <gasps> Thank you, Mirror. Walt Disney Pictures presents the motion picture event of the holidays. You've met your match, foul beast! <laughs> Are you crazy? Nobody stabs my bus. Don't you run away from me. Crazy tight wear. Enchanted. <laughs> Giselle! Enchanted, not your regular uh, Walt Disney movie because, well, let's start with the most obvious uh, aspect of this movie. It's not a full-length animated feature. It uh, it has a little bit of animation at the start and uh, at the end, but the core of the movie is real characters. Uh, so, Deborah, can you tell us a little bit about how this movie came about? What yeah. was the original idea? The original idea wasn't so um, Disney. <laughs> the original idea was um, it was based off of a screenplay. Um, the same guy who wrote the screenplay for like a couple 90s movies like Blast from the Past. And I can't remember any of his others. But um, he came up with a screenplay um, in which a um, cartoon character princess lands in Chicago. And um, and um, lands in the middle of a uh, bachelor party and is mistaken for entertainment, which is not very Disney at all. No. So in <laughs> fact, they were going for this for this particular screenplay. The um, the writer was going for somebody um, more of an R rated audience. Huh. And um, so with all screenplays, you know, Disney looked at it and said, "Oh, we could, you know, we'll buy the screenplay, but we're going to definitely um, give it to somebody and have them um, Disneyfy it." So it believe it or not the screenplay the original screenplay for this um for this movie was bought for I believe $450,000. So they really? kind of got it at a at a bargain price when you think about it. Well, especially if you consider how much it brought in in the end. <laughs> the, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, you said they disnified it and boy, did they take their time to do that because that original screenplay was from 1997 and all the years 
uh, after that, this movie has seen rewrite after rewrite after rewrite after rewrite once Disney took over. Uh, and not only was the story uh, rewritten all the time, but uh, also the project got uh, a new director almost every year. And there were creative differences, and then, you know, Disney kind of backed down a little bit. They were like, well, we're not sure about this script. Let's rewrite it again. Let's find another director. And so, originally, Disney hoped to release the, the movie in 2002, and it was only in 2005 that they finally greenlit the project in, well, almost its current form, at least story-wise. And, um, and I think that the thing that the, the, the most important change was that they decided that the movie would be an homage, a loving homage to all the previous Disney movies. And at the beginning, I think that Disney was a little bit hesitant. They were like, well, we, we have to do this in good taste uh, because otherwise we're destroying our own franchises. But I think that yeah. they, they, they struck the right balance. Well, and you got to remember that at, this, at the time um, they were working on this particular movie, Shrek had come out. You know, and everybody loved Shrek. But what they loved about Shrek was one of the things that I loved about Shrek is that they did make fun of Disney. You're right. You know? You're right. And Actually, so, Shrek, Shrek is one big parody of Disney. Exactly. And so, you know, the 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 um, now the director that they they gave the script to to rewrite, um, Kevin Lima, you know, said, "Well, you know, people people love that about Shrek. So why can't we make fun of ourselves? But in the same token, really pay." you know, homage to all those lovely Disney movies we all grew up with, like Mike, you know, grew up with all these movies. Well, so. and I think in a way they did they did it very differently from, from Shrek. Shrek is just, you know, you take the, the Disney stories and the characters and you ridicule them. What Disney did was actually, while, actually, while creating a parody, they also created almost a new brand, a new franchise around this character of Giselle. And, and so instead of just rehashing stuff from the past, I think they, they also created something really new and, and, and did something very creative there. Well, and there's something, Disney fans will know this, there's something about um, the challenge of finding hidden things within movies and the challenge of finding hidden things within places um, and Disney is is grand about that. I I know that when you were out here mm -hmm. in uh, a couple of weeks ago, Father, you picked up a book out, off of the shelf at um, the studios that said "Hidden Mickey's" around Disney. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that real Disney fans um, do around here is we've within everything there is a hidden um, reference to Disney. Like if you go into um, like for example, we went into the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror at Studios and rode that yeah. ride. <laughs> well, there's a hidden Mickey in there. Oh, a hidden places. Mickey. Okay, so it's not a hidden yeah. Disney, but a hidden Mickey. So the, hidden the, Mickey the, ears. The, yes. the shape of the uh, of, yeah. of Mickey himself. Yeah. Well, the ears usually. Oh, um, really? And um, so, but you might not notice it because it's so subtle. It's yeah. very well hidden. Like, but if you've ridden that ride like dozens of times, like I have, um, you know where exa exactly where they are. One of them is. In um, the little girls uh, are the the ladies wearing kind of like Mickey ears. She's carrying a, I believe a a doll that might be uh, Mickey Mouse. Huh. But and but at the before you drop before the doors open to put you into that little drop zone. Yes. There's actually the little stars come together and form a little tiny hidden Mickey. Really? So I had no yeah. idea. <laughs> so that's I think that's the point of also Enchanted is that. 
you know, you're watching it and you're watching it. And if you've watched it many times, like I have, you're just like, everything is like, hey, isn't that? No, that can't be. It is. And, you know, so, I actually had to stop, you know, and change yeah. it a couple times and go, wait a minute, I got to see that up close. So for you, for you, Mike, this must have been an incredible experience because you've seen all those Disney movies and you must have recognized so many different references. Oh, oh yeah. There are all sorts of uh, references, direct and indirect, too. Now, uh, yeah, you know, like 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 in the animated sequence in the beginning, and they're they're fabricating the prince, you know, and and um, Giselle picks up some jewels and puts them up to her eyes, and I thought, oh, that's right, out Snow White. Don't, really? Don't does yeah, don't oh, yeah. does. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, that's like awesome. That. You know, Mike, I didn't even notice that. That's one of those things I didn't notice. Now, Mike, did, you had the movie on Blu-ray as well, right? Uh, no, I'm not yet. I oh. just have it on DVD. Oh, whoa, okay. I just rewatched it on on Blu-ray, and you know the cool the, the the one difference between the DVD and the Blu-ray is that the Blu-ray has this special track where it's it's a game. Uh, it's kind of a quiz. So every five minutes, uh, the movie is interrupted, and then you get a question. You know, where is this reference from? And then they give you like all these answers, and you can choose. You can pick one. And if you choose the, if you pick the right answer, you get to see a little behind the scenes, or you see a fragment of the movie that it refers to. And of course, I found a cheat because you can, you know, I, I, I don't know all these Disney movies as as well as the I, both I, of you, and so I, I just press like the back uh, thing on my uh, remote control, and so it repeats the question, so I can I can just basically go over all these answers until I I pick the right one, and then see the li- the little Easter egg. But I I mean that is so much extra value, and it it makes rewatching the movie so worthwhile. And then that this yeah. little game actually only shows you. Like I think ten percent, or perhaps even five percent, of all the references. I think there's so much more hidden in there. Um, oh, sure oh yeah, something, something I would. Oh, I'm sure. sorry, Mike. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I am. Um, according to Kevin Lima, the 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 um, writer slash director, he said there are thousands of references in there, um, and how it actually all started. All these little hidden Disney things. That, yeah, they want to do an homage to Disney, but um, you know, for every you know, movie, they storyboard the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And so when they, when he was storyboarding, the first thing they storyboarded was Happy Working Song. And um, so what happened with that is there's a scene where she's, you know, scrubbing the, the floor and there's bubbles. Mm-hmm. And then he thought, oh, on top of that, I want, why don't we put the reflection in all the bubbles like Cinderella? Huh. And that's where it all started. And then it's like, oh, where else can we shove little Disney nuggets in there? And, um, you know, they started thinking about other imagery from other films and where would it go? And, and uh, you know, Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast and, you know, where can we put all this? And uh, that way that Disney fans will be like, oh, that looks like exactly like blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. you know. And they go beyond the princess movies, you know. I mean, that's their main reference, the princess movies. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, they they reference like Lady and the Tramp when they go to the re- the Italian restaurant. And it's called um, Bella Notera, I think. Yeah, which mm-hmm. which is the song that they play during the the Lady and the Tramp uh, spaghetti sequence. Absolutely. Know? So, and there there are tons of things like that in there. Well, and not and not only did they reference. Disney movies and Mike you have something you know they actually also paid homage to the stars that play in the movie for example 
um, yeah, uh, what is his name? The uh, guy who plays the prince, um, Mar- Marsdale. Mm-hmm. What is his first name? Uh, hold oh, on, sure. I got to look at my notes here. The, the prince, um, James yeah. James Marsden. James Marsden, thank you, James Marsden. Um, he is um, at the time he was in Hairspray, and he was also in a, another movie on Broadway. And as you see the bus scene, you see both of his movie slash musicals he was in no way really like the billboards for them (laughs) oh that's awesome and then also even though she doesn't have a singing role and um edina madzell madzell i believe who plays nancy the uh, fiance of robert Mm -hmm. she's best known for her work on wicked she plays um the the lead character for the broadway musical wicked in fact she run she uh won tonys Mm -hmm. for that so at one point in the bus scene too you see you know the billboard for wicked Huh. Wow. I had no idea. And then I know that some people have mentioned this before where in one scene, I think it's in um, That's How You Know, um, Giselle kind of does a little spinny thing that people are like, that looks like Sound of Music. Well, the narrator is Julie Andrews from Sound of Music. Absolutely. <laughs> so they do play, they, they actually pay homage to the people that are in the movies by kind of representing their prior work to the movie. And they even do that in, in the rest of the casting as well. We'll get to talk about that when we go through the list of characters and how these characters develop. But before we do that, um, for, for our listeners that uh, might not really exactly remember the, the story of the, of the movie, it might, be, might, might have been a while since they watched it. Can we briefly go over? like the the basic uh, thread of the of the story and how it how it uh, evolves i mean it starts in this quintessential disney animated movie uh, forest where we meet giselle and she's a princess andalasia it's called andalasia <laughs> yes <laughs> and then what happens well, well, you know, okay, go ahead, Michael. Oh, no, talk. you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, one no. of the, you know, like every classic Disney movie, and I think we, Father and I talked about this in the last podcast, where there's always this sequence, the first song is kind of a wishing song that sets up the plot for the whole movie, where Giselle is basically wishing for her one true love um, with the song, and she's she's actually fabricating him the movie <laughs> she actually right. has a little mannequin yeah. of him and and um and so you and then you see the prince as well and he's looking for her as well because he's he's bored with trolls yeah so fighting trolls all the time yeah yeah and then there's the wicked stepmother mm-hmm. uh, who was uh, trying to prevent them from meeting and uh and she has an assistant who uh is also the assistant to the pr- to the prince, but he's there to to help his to help the stepmother uh, mess up any uh, chance of him meeting the princess. But that doesn't work. He ends up finding the princess, and of course, immediately they fall in love. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and <laughs> instantly it's like, and, and then they, they, it's, they go right from there to the to the wedding. I think, isn't that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And and um uh she, she the 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 uh the stepmother uh, the wicked stepmother disguises herself as a hag or witch and she uh she uh leads uh Giselle over to a wishing well <laughs> which is also that's from Snow White of course and she she pushes her in and <laughs> and she 
uh, and Giselle falls through there and ends up in New York, our New York, you know. The Th- then that's where it switches from animation yes. to live action. Yes, and then she she gets out of this out of this manhole in the middle of what is it somewhere in downtown Times Square. Uh, Times Square. Say. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And she's she's. Still wearing that huge wedding dress that now is three dimensional and weighs a right. ton. <laughs> it actually it weighs forty five pounds. Holy moly! Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's reminiscent of the uh, dress that Cinderella wears hmm, to the ball, I think, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Or at least it, that's what I thought of when I saw. It. Yeah. Well, and that, and actually, if you look at all the Disney movies, like um, it, it's also reminiscent of what Ariel wears at the last of um. Of when she gets married in the last scene of The Little Mermaid, it's also, you know, um, Sleeping Beauty in a sense. Um, yeah, the Beauty know, and the Beast ballroom scene, and it's all these these big ballroom dresses, dresses basically. Yeah, and so she ends up in in the real New York. It's dark. It is totally different from the world that she knows, and she's completely, you know, a fish out of the water. She she has no idea where she is and what to do. And that's where she meets uh, what's her what's his name Robert. Robert, yes. yeah. Well, she's wandering, and actually, it's Robert's little girl in the movie Morgan, who's like, "Daddy, there's a real princess," because she's obsessed with princesses, like every six year old little girl seems to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and her father is trying to get her, to, you know, to admire more real women as opposed to princesses. And so um, she runs out of the cab that they're in to go help the princess, and her father ends up, you know, helping Giselle. And then they end up taking her back to their apartment because it's late at night. And um, from there, the t- story starts to get, a, you know, yeah. pick up a little s- speed. She cleans, she cleans up it. the the apartment, <laughs> and uh, it's. Yeah. Uh, you get this whole, of course, uh, the 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 prince from the fairy tale, the the, the animated prince. Uh, he's like, "Where is my princess?" And so he follows basically uh, Giselle by jumping in the same wishing well. Ends up in New York as well. Is also completely, you know, disoriented, but continues to behave as an animated cartoon prince, which is very hilarious. I think it's it's very funny. He kind of stays in 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 his original character, whereas Giselle is changing through the interaction with Robert and uh, and and all the people around them. Uh, she is starting to become more and more, I would say, three-dimensional and starts to evolve, and, and they learn e- a lot from each other. And yeah. then, of course, uh, the evil uh, queen ultimately ends up in the real world as well um, and uh, tries to poison Giselle. And then in a, in a final scene, uh, Giselle is, 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 well, almost she's going to die, basically, unless she is kissed with a true love's kiss. And, of course, Edward thinks that he can do the job. After all, he's a prince, kisses her, nothing happens, and then he starts to realize, well, wait a minute. Um, Robert, why don't you try? And then, of course, Robert... He started off as very cynical. What was he? A divorce, uh, a divorce attorney? Lawyer. Yeah. And, right. and then, you know, divorce he finally... 
Say again? That's part of the reason he's so cynical is that his wife yeah. left him and his daughter. Of so course. <laughs> so he kisses he kisses Giselle, saves her life, and then the the wicked witch turns into a dragon, climbs on top of uh, one of these big buildings there, and uh, but is ultimately destroyed. We'll get to talk about all the symbolism in that uh, final resolution. And then in the end, uh, there is a little bit of a reversal that uh, Giselle does not marry her her prince from the beginning of the story she she uh, uh continues happily have ever after with with robert whereas prince edward falls in love with um uh, robert's fiance yes and then so it's it's very interesting what happens there and then yeah. it didn't doesn't it end with um edward going back to and, and, he takes Nancy Andalasia. back to Andalasia, and uh, you see the the end scene is Nancy and him getting married, and Nancy's cell phone goes off, and she's like, "Oops, sorry, <laughs> great reception back here." And um, yeah, <laughs> very very cool. Well, let's uh, let's talk a bit about our uh, characters, um, and then of course we have to start with Giselle, um, the. The combination, I think, of almost all the princesses in the in the previous uh, in the previous movies. Which princess do you think that she resembles most, actually? And according to the director, she is about eighty percent Snow White, yeah. but she does have some traits from Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and Ariel. Hmm. Yeah, I I think more of Sleeping Beauty when I see her. Yeah, visually, definitely. Uh, yeah. And not at all Snow White, but in her behavior, she's very much Snow White. She's very naive, very, you know, extremely. Yeah, she wants to work. She has to have yeah. to work. Yeah, let's let's clean <laughs> up. Let's even her little song that she uses yeah. to call the animals is almost a carbon copy of of uh, the, what Snow White sings to call the animals in that movie. Uh, but she also reminds me a lot of. Ariel of the Little Mermaid, especially yeah. later on in the movie, she she turns more and more into she she becomes uh, less of the dreamy princess type, and she starts to kind of come up a little bit more emancipated. <laughs> yeah. Well, even when they chose um, Amy Adams to play Giselle, what they what they did is they um, they wanted a lesser known actress to play Giselle, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of you know to get away from um, all of this. Uh, you know, stardom. Um, and believe it or not, they, they interviewed 300 potential Giselles and Adam, sorry, Amy Adams mm-hmm. was number 275. So she was at the back of the pack. Wow. Yeah. So, um, but she's, you know, but she actually, you know, played up the role of what a Disney princess should be um, without sounding like, you know, cynical or, you know, or silly. It was more, she was able to pull it off with a little bit of um, believability. Yeah, I think she did a terrific job, and I don't think that the movie would be the same if she hadn't played that main character. And added to that, of course, that she could sing, and how she totally does the, 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 she she has the delivery of any other Disney movies, I think, in the way that she sings these songs. And it starts off a little bit like a, an operetta with the first song, and then it, it becomes more and more kind of Broadway musical towards the end. But she does such an amazing job, I think. And she has uh, she's very believable, I think. Because um, this could easily have been a very cheesy movie where, you know, if, if it doesn't really work, if you don't really believe that... Uh, that Giselle is a three-dimensional character, 
um, it, 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 it could have failed miserably. I, I personally also really like the character of, of Robert uh, Philip. Um, the, or uh, let's say Patrick Dempsey's uh, character who plays Robert Philip in the movie. Um, yeah. And uh, because he's someone that we can relate to and then I think that that a lot of the kids that watch this movie could, can relate probably to Giselle whereas their parents can probably much more identify with uh, uh, the character of Robert Philip. Right. He gets mm. caught up in her magic but he's he's lost at the same time. Because uh, he he sees all these people singing around him. He says, how do you know this? How do you know the lyrics to the song? I don't get this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and he's the one that, that he's he speaks for us. This is the character that says the right. things that we're like thinking. Like, what? No, oh, please don't sing. You know, <laughs> you know, <this> silly. <laughs> I don't dance. You know, so he's 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 our voice in a sense. Yes, of right. the real life. Well, and he's also a little bit like the uh, Mulder to the Scully, you know. It's like he, he doesn't really believe in the fairy tale at first. And then bit by bit, he starts... Oh, no, wait a second. There was Scully in the X-Files who didn't believe, right? Who <laughs> was the cynical yeah. one? Yeah. I always mix those up. But and, and bit by bit, he starts... He has to believe because it just happens around him. And so he gets more and more enchanted in a way. Right. If there's one character who gets enchanted during this uh, story, it is, I think, Robert Philip, Patrick Dempsey's yeah. character. Um, then, of course, we've got his counterpart, the the prince, the two-dimensional prince, Prince Edward, played by James Marsden, who also is a great singer. I was blown away when I watched uh, the documentaries about this movie to, to discover that he was really singing. It was really his yeah. voice, and I don't think that they cast him like that. I, I don't think that they knew that he could sing that well. I, I don't know if they knew that, but I, I... No, actually, they should have known that because he was in Hairspray. And oh, he did okay. all of his work for Hairspray. Oh, well, well I was blown away. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a, great, he's a great singer and a great actor. And the beautiful thing about this is they, they let him really play up what a prince should be. And, and that's, I think, the joy of his character is he really goes overboard. Yes. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's very one-dimensional. Yes. The the board hero is like, yeah, oh, I'm so fantastic, you know. And, uh, <laughs> extremely yeah, self-centered yeah. and <laughs> Oh yeah. He he attacks the bus and all these And I think out of between him and Giselle and all the characters that come from Andalasia to the real world, he has the hardest time adapting. Yes. He, does, he doesn't the, really the, change. Uh, perhaps yeah. towards the end. That's probably when he starts to realize that, wait a minute, my little prince role doesn't work here to save the princess and something else is needed. I ne Well, and that's when he goes home. Yeah, <laughs> like, basically. Okay, I'm going yeah. home. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, there, there's something interesting um, that made, made me think at least of the that famous Matrix moment. You know, it's are you going to take the blue pill or the red pill? Are you going to go back to the fairy tale world? Or are you going to stay here and adapt and discover what's out there? And I think yes. both of them make make this choice. And not just the prince and the princess make that choice, but also their fiancés. So also the Robert Philip character chooses basically uh, Giselle, chooses to believe the fairy tale. And uh, what's her name now? The uh, Oh, Nancy. Yeah, and, Nancy uh, Tremaine. Adina, yeah, Adina Mazel. Um, yeah, she, she believes she would rather believe the fantasy as well. It's probably something that was lacking in her life, and so she chooses mm -hmm. to, you know, step into that two-dimensional romantic world <laughs> towards the yeah. end. And then, of course, 
in addition to the good guys, you always need at least one evil character. And in this case, played by Susan Sarandon, Queen Nerissa. She uh, she is the evil queen um, that evokes so many other evil stepmothers in uh, in previous movies, yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. sure, Mike, that you uh, you must have thought of a lot of those uh, oh, evil sure. evil uh, I mean, witches. Obvious ones like uh, you know, uh, sweet. Well, uh, she reminds me of the uh, Maleficent in in, uh, in Sleeping Beauty, but mm-hmm. also like the Wicked Stepmother in uh, Cinderella, and and uh, you know they're they're all there. I mean, yeah. the Hag in Snow White, the Hag in Snow yeah. White with the poison apples, of course, and yeah, absolutely, there were so many uh, references. You just think, oh yeah, I remember this from from Snow White, or I remember that from. Uh, and and not just not just visually, but I also think in yeah. her portrayal of the role, she did quite some research, and she 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 tried to figure out you know what makes these evil queens in all these other movies what they are, and how can I what what is it what makes them so characteristic? And I think that one of the things that you wrote down in the show notes, uh, uh, Deborah, is that she's not screaming at all. She's, yeah, that's, her, a, her that's menace, a direct quote from her. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of scary smiling and saying of horrible things, but no screaming. There's a whole yes. tradition of relishing your power and evilness very softly and yet not yelling at the same time. That's from a direct quote from her That's in an interview. <laughs> so she she wants to be, you know, she wants to be a calm evil queen as opposed to a screaming maniacal evil queen. Now, so. does this, I don't remember, but does she sing in this movie or not? No, she does not. Because that, that's kind of a, a little different from, well, other uh, evil women in, in previous movies. I mean, I, I remember that this, oh, I don't know the name, but the, in um, uh, the, the um, ah, gosh, what's the, 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 the sea thing, uh, the under the sea? Um, oh, um, the, Ursula. Uh, Ursula, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> she's got this great song in the middle of the movie where she's like super evil and I kind of that's the only thing uh, in terms of music that I missed in, in this uh, in this movie I was like the queen needs a song <laughs> well, and even and um, yeah there's a lot of history of especially recently of the evil you know um, counterparts having their songs like even in Lion King you know um, oh yeah uh, uh it's not Scar, is it? Yeah, Scar has Scar. his own mm-hmm. song, and it's, you know, it well, sets think, up the plot. I think having villains have their song, that's, I would say that's more of a modern uh, convention. I don't think, in Snow White and uh, Sleeping Beauty, uh, and, you know, and Cinderella and place, other movies like that, uh, they didn't usually give the villain a song. That's true. Yeah. That's you true. Know, yeah, that was... Yeah. More like in the nineties, they did that. <laughs> Interesting, so. but, well, but I, I, I think it's a good e- evolution. I like it that the evil people get to sing as well. Yeah, <laughs> so that's probably why I'm I evil and I, I love it. it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It kind of adds to the, the aggravation. Like, oh, and she's even singing. <laughs> she, yes. she dwells in it. <laughs> well, and the, the the other thing that makes this particular evil queen different than the evil other evil queens is her sense of style she really does glam it up like they gave her a really nice wardrobe that's um uh, a little different than other hags and rags mm-hmm. and you know she has a really nice sparkly you know slinky wardrobe for this movie 
True, true. And and then, of course, ultimately, that will degrade into something really ugly. But <laughs> I think that they even on purposely uh, added some hints of, you know, like dragon wings in her in her robes and everything, just to kind of already hint at uh, the transformation that will take place later on. Uh, so even in, in that respect, I think they did a tremendous job in terms of the, the wardrobe and the, the whole costume department. They did a terrific job, I think, in uh, uh, developing a style a visual style for the movie that is both reminiscent of uh of of past Walt Disney movies but also tries to do something new and uh, I li- I like it when they do that um the uh, less important characters uh are of course uh the 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 well the fiance of Robert Nancy Tremaine is that how you pronounce it yeah Tremaine and you know what that's a throwback that's an an homage to Lady Tremaine from Cinderella who is Cinderella's wicked stepmother huh yeah ah, I see and she doesn't sing either because of you know basically all the real life characters don't sing that's not that's just not what we that's, do yeah. <laughs> We're too serious well, actually, for that. Actually, you know what? Because she is known for her singing, um, the the star who plays Adina Menzel, you know, um, Broadway star, they did write her and James Marsden their own love ballad, but it really? was cut initially from the end of the movie because it just didn't fit in there. But it uh, is on the soundtrack. Oh, so really? if you if you want to listen to the soundtrack, you will hear that that version of their love song together. I had no idea. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So Robert mm-hmm. also knows how to sing. No, not or, Robert. Oh, the prince. wait. Oh, the prince, uh, Edward. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I don't think I don't think uh, Patrick Dempsey does singing. <laughs> well, and then of course, but because she goes back to the two-dimensional world of uh, Andalusia, Andalusia. Mm-hmm. it would actually be fitting that she would sing something towards the end. Oh well. I'll uh, I'll listen to the soundtrack then, and then for me the biggest revelation when I was reading uh, up on this movie, um, there are a number of cameos in this movie, and I had no idea, but there are actually a lot of of real Disney princesses hidden in this movie. Here they are, um, Paige O'Hara. Um, she plays Angela, a soap op- opera character in this movie. She provided the speaking and the singing voice of Bella in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, so, well, and uh, just a, a little heads up on, on where that is in the movie. That's when the prince is looking through the TV and he catches that little soap opera. That's yeah. where she is. Isn't that awesome? And then Jodie yeah. Benson plays Sam, uh, plays Sam, uh, Robert's secretary. She is the speaking and singing voice of Ariel in Little Mermaid. And she also uh, voices the Barbie dolls in Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3. <laughs> did, and did you notice in most of the scenes where Jodie Benson appears, which is in the, in the lawyer's office, mm-hmm. there are so many Little Mermaid references in there. They even play the Little Mermaid background music. No way. Really? Yes, they do. Oh, I got to rewatch that. that. There's that fish tank in awesome. there, yeah. and that's like an homage to the Little Mermaid. Of course. That was, I was watching the movie yesterday, and I was like, why is that fish tank there? That's a little bit too obvious. There must be a reason. And I couldn't figure it out. I was like, there must be a reference here that I'm missing. <laughs> and then when I saw that Jodie Benson was in that scene, I was like, of course. And then uh, that's not that's not all. Uh, Judy Kuhn, uh, she plays a pregnant woman with kids. She was the singing voice of the title character in Pocahontas and also in uh, the direct-to-video or direct-to-DVD sequel uh, to Pocahontas. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got Julie Andrews, who played, of course, uh, Mary Poppins. 
and uh, plays uh, Queen Clarice Rinaldi in The Prince's Diaries. Is that also a Disney production, actually? Yes, it is. The Prince's Diaries is a Disney production. Oh, okay, so she's the narrator. Yeah. So I thought it was awesome, these cameos. And it's really something you have to know because we only know their voices. Well, except for, for Julie Andrews, of course. But then we, get, we don't get to see Julie Andrews. <laughs> we only get to hear her. Uh, but wow, I was blown away. concludes part one of our discussion of the movie Enchanted. Thanks for listening. Previous and future podcast episodes can be found at disney.sqpn.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter account is Disney Podcast. If you like this show, please leave us a review or rate the show in the iTunes store. Links can be found on disney.sqpn.com. See you next time on The Secrets of Disney. <laughs>